Welcome back to We Are Here, a Keystone Edge podcast starring Pennsylvanians making their mark. This series has been created in partnership with PA Humanities, an organization dedicated to building community and sparking change. We hope these conversations will do the same. I'm your host, Lee Stabert, and in this episode, we're headed back to nature. The Farm Arts Collective is based in Damascus, Pennsylvania, situated on the Delaware River in the northeast corner of the state. Part organic farm, part immersive theater venue and education hub, this bucolic property operates at the intersection of so many essential challenges. How do we grow food in a way that preserves the environment? How do we take action on climate change? Can art and engagement transform a society? And can a perfect heirloom tomato win hearts and change minds? These are big questions, so I'm excited to hear directly from the people behind this exciting work. My name is Tanis Kowalchuk, and I'm the Artistic Director of Farm Arts Collective. And I am Jess Beveridge, and I am the Company Manager and an Ensemble Member of Farm Arts Collective. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Can we start with hearing a little bit about the history of this property and how it became the Farm Arts Collective and and its roots in Damascus in particular? Sure. Um, Farm Arts Collective is based on um, an organic farm that's been uh, farming the land here for the last five or six years. We are located on the Delaware River in Northeast Pennsylvania. And um, prior to our coming here and working the land, it was um, land that was occupied by the, and, and, and also farmed and fished by the Lenny Lenape people. Um, and uh, we're really excited actually that this Sunday, there's going to be um, a big visit from a, a bunch of paddlers who are doing a treaty signing. So they're coming coming back to the land to visit us and sleep overnight, and we're going to do a big fire and a dinner with them. But that's the original, um, those are the original owners of the land and people who lived here. But now we're farming it, and Farm Arts Collective um, is, is here because uh, we are interested in bringing together four life-sustaining practices, uh, farming, art with a focus on theater, food, and ecology. And so our purpose here is to intersect those, those practices and to not only improve the quality of life for our community, but also invent new ways of living and living in the world together through that intersection of those practices. And... It's sort of an interesting combination, right? Sustainable farming and performing arts, not necessarily one you see all the time. Um, Can both of you talk about your own personal passions and your own lives and sort of what came first, the interest in farming and in ecology or the interest in performance and sort of the interplay and how those grew together? This is my fifth season working on the farm. Before that, I didn't really have an interest in it. You know, we had a small little garden and my family always had a garden growing up, but I was never fully immersed in it until I started working here and working in the soil and honestly, like seeing where my food actually came from and like how difficult it is to start something from something from seed and then harvest it and then prepare it. And it's just in a really eye-opening, amazing experience. So um, definitely for me, my theater passion came first. And then now that I'm involved um, with Farm Arts Collective, I also have a passion for the agriculture side of it. 
Hearing you describe it, I, you know, there's a metaphor there, something about planting a seed and watching it grow. You know, if you think about putting together a performance and starting from an idea and then you have a script and then you have a story and then you have actors and, you know, it, and then you harvest it and by harvest you, you know, have the performance. It's kind of an interesting parallel. Yeah, that is a very interesting parallel. <clears throat> and our company is a devised theater company, so we do start literally with a seed from all of our uh, ensemble members' minds or you know, a sentence or a thought or an action or something or a picture or something like that, and then that develops into something else, and we just keep building and adding on to it until it becomes what we produce, which is really amazing. There's also the notion, too, in devised theater that it's, a, it's an organic process and that it's um, very much a collaborative and organic process. So we're like, you want the the soil to be really, really healthy. And so you want your ensemble's environment and the way we relate to one another and the work ethic to be really healthy in order for the the performance work and the work of each individual to be nurtured and healthy and strong. That is really important in devised work, I think, and in, in an ensemble. We're working with the same people. You know, new people do come in and we're attracting lots of cool, amazing people. But there's this core of people who are professional actors like Jess and myself. There are also farmers who get interested in making art when they come to work on the farm who become involved or who have become involved. There are people who have never even you know, done theater, but were saw a show and they're like, can I be in it or can I help with, you know, it's just like this really diverse group. So to have a healthy company and a healthy working environment is the key, really. It's the people. Yeah. So for people who are listening to this, can you describe a performance at Farm Arts Collective? If you were to buy a ticket and come, what would be your experience? How would the evening flow? Well, let's talk about some of the past shows yeah, yeah. First. first. Yeah. Um, so generally our shows are set on the farm and the audience has in the past shows, in the past three or four shows, walked around the farm and they were led around the farm in a very, very, you know, directed way in an artistic way, to see scenes, a series of scenes that would tell the story, the big story to them. And we've often divided the groups, um, the audience up into smaller groups for sightline issues. And also in the time of, in that first summer of COVID, we, we were really co- conscientious about keeping the groups as pods, really, of people who knew each other. They would see live music. They would see stilt walking because we do a lot of stilt walking. They would see a spectacular backdrop of this most beautiful farm that we're on with a beautiful river on the one side and a forest on another and hills and clear clear or cloudy skies, depending. We always seem to beat the rain. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> so yeah, that's what they would see is something spectacular and very authentic. They always say this is so authentic and from the heart. And we're talking about climate change. So we have devoted the next 10 years of our practice to making one new play a year about climate change. So that's something else they're seeing is is a really innovative story year in, year out about climate change. To that end, what do you hope people 
new information people go home with, you know, and I would, I would guess that most people who come to these performances already have a little bit of interest and care about the environment and about being outside and about organic farming or at least, you know, an interest. But what do you hope they take away that, that maybe is new to them, even if they're relatively well-versed in some of these subjects? I always say like, if our audience walks away with wanting to at least do something or wanting to further their knowledge about climate change or wanting to take action or joining a group or just wanting to do something about it, I think that that's, that's a goal. There's also the power of story. And the stories that we're telling each year are different and there's different perspectives this year's performance is set in the year 2062. So we're really like speculating and using our imaginations as artists to p- imagine what it would be like here on this farm in 40 years. And so we're putting a bunch of characters in that, in that tavern because that's, it's, it's called Tavern at the Edge of the World, this new performance. And we're putting them in a tavern on a farm and each character is um, has a history that we learn about and they're all trying to make their way through and in this world we're inventing and that world is facing climate change, big climate change, floods, extreme weather, a more militarized culture all around them, the um, di- kind of disintegration of public services like universities and state colleges. Like we're really imagining a... Pl- a different kind of world. So it just doesn't by, sound that different. Uh, well, we're right. No, I know it's a moment. I mean, this Touché. summer, I think for people, you know, it, it's been it's it's. I've just put some context, and I'm talking to you guys after we've just been through ten days of extreme heat here in Pennsylvania. So you know, it feels very relevant. Is all I'm saying. It's it's very relevant, and it's we you know we're just going in the direction we see things going, and going like 40, 40 steps further, forty years further. So story, to get back to it, it's the, the power of story and imagination that lets people feel and see a topic that so, could be so technical and so like, oh my God, I can't stand hearing about climate change anymore. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to read about it. But to see just a really innovative story about it, maybe that just is something that's good and important that we can offer that. Yeah. And maybe in a new package, it can also reinvigorate people's hope a little Mm -hmm. bit too. I think that it's a topic that sometimes people can feel very hopeless and very overwhelmed and, you know, what can I do and that type of feeling. Yeah. I think that we can definitely say, even though each piece we do is different and offers a different point of view, there is always a glimmer of hope for sure in the, in the performance. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. 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 I'd love to talk a little bit about your relationship with the local community. And this is also tied into the question of how people find you and what your audiences look like. You know, are most people coming from far away and making this a trip? Are people local? And if people are local, how are you helping to bring them into the property and onto the farm? Well, we are very much a community-based arts organization. And so the membership, I mean, the people who get involved in the performances, first of all, are all uh, local artists and scientists and farmers. So that always, when you have people who are living in a community doing a project, it just draws, it just draws all of their people, yeah. which, which is like who our community is. 
We also offer a lot of workshops um, that are farm-based workshops and ecology-based and food-based workshops taught by local experts. You know, again, that brings in their people and people who are, might be interested in the community, not just in theater, but also in CBD production or herbal tinctures or uh, soil management, you know, so it's like we're really, we're really cultivating a diverse program with, with local experts and local artists and participants. So it just like this generates a lot of, a lot of interest. Everything we are doing right now is really selling out or really full, even mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. workshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are lucky, you know, that we have uh, found our niche where there's an awareness of it and also like a, a, a true interest. Mm-hmm. Was this business, this sort of integrated business model where you're doing workshops that are very practical, plus you have the performance side, plus, you know, you have the food production side. Was this always part of the model or has it evolved as you've gone along? Well, I think maybe I could talk a little bit about where I'm coming from um, as the founder of Farm Arts. I was running a theater company in the area. I come from Canada, moved to New, to New York City, and then started operating a theater in Sullivan County, New York. And I was doing that for many years. And then I ended up marrying a farmer and um, started farming. And I happened to have a family of, of Eastern European farmers. You know, my, my grandmother, my mother come from Eastern Europe, and they were actually farmers. So I I grew up with a massive garden and I was, you know, forced labor, child labor, (laughs) working in the garden all summer. Hated it, just wanted to be on the stage, which is what I did. You know, I went off and made theater. Well, you know, everything comes full circle and your mother's always right and all that. (laughs) And so (laughs) here I was like, oh, I really like farming now. Oh, I feel like I'm back at home, you know, all that stuff. But I love farming. And so I was like, the farm is an interesting location because it's very magnetic and people want to come to the farm. I was running a theater and I couldn't say that about the theater all the time. Like people weren't like, I got to go to that theater. I got to go into that theater. Like they, they weren't really saying that, but I, I heard more like, oh, could I come and visit the farm? Can I? All of that. And so it was like, why not bring the theater and the theater work that I'm trying to accomplish with my community to the farm and see what can happen. And so really it's just like a kind of two passions, uh, a sense of like kind of adventure and experimentation for me as an artist and as a community organizer because I feel like a big part of my work is community organizing. Um, I do that. I do that on lots of issues in my neighborhood, uh, whether it's, you know, the political work we were just doing on the Roe versus Wade uh, revokement, whether it's food pantry services and food relief for the community, like I and I tend to get involved in that. So it was just like this, like interesting experiment for farming and agriculture and culture and in co- community engagement to come all together at a place that I feel is very magnetic and beautiful and meaningful for our community because it's a source of food. Yeah. And it's interesting thinking about, you were mentioning that you had to rework the way you structured some of the plays and the way you moved people around the farm because of COVID. But at the end of the day, I think it's very COVID friendly to have a place that's outside that people can come in their space and room. Jess, do you want to talk a little bit about how you guys navigated that time and how you're navigating this summer, which where we're still a little bit in flux? 
Yeah. When we, when it was 2020, we, like Tennis was saying, we broke down our audience into pods of 12 people and we encouraged people when they were buying tickets to buy with their pod, as that was like the thing to do was stick with the people that you were with. So we were able to split the audience up and then the actors did their scenes five times and the audience would go to each, to each scene. And I just remember afterwards talking to the audience and just them being just so thankful and I mean, almost with tears in their eyes that that was like the first time that they were out in so long and they needed to see the theater and it just like brought them more hope. I mean, I'm getting like emotional thinking about it because people really needed that. And I think people still really need theater and to be out among people. And even last year, like people were just so thankful to be out in like a safe environment outside, socially distanced and... I think the community really needed it and and it gave our ensemble a boost as well to feel that need. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to We Are Here from Keystone Edge, produced in partnership with PA Humanities, which believes in putting people first. Their work champions the humanities across Pennsylvania, centering growth, equity, and community as a pathway to positive, lasting change. Learn more at pahumanities.org. Tell me about Damascus. I don't really know anything about this town and this community and a little bit about what the demographics are like, what's the built environment like, and what about the community innately you think has made it so receptive to this work? Um, Damascus is literally on the northeastest tip of Pennsylvania. We're right, we're really close to a very popular small town called Calicoon, New York, That's actually our closest town. So we consider ourselves in the River Valley community, which spans two states, New York and Pennsylvania. We sell farmer's markets, are in New York. We work with the the Damascus food pantry system. Um, So we're really feeding two two states. But all along that river community, it's really the, the river that I think defines this community, the community that comes to the to the farm that to buy food or to see the theater or to take a workshop. It's very beautiful. It's very touristic in the summer times. It's very seasonal. Like everyone can work really hard in the summer and make lots of money, whether you're you know, a small business or working for someone who's in the service industry of hotel, restaurant, entertainment, river tourism. There's a wonderful sense of small town and supporting and helping one another here. I feel like my I can count on my neighbors all around me. I know my neighbors. Uh, we're all different, but we can count on each other. Before I started working here, I didn't really, I guess, I wasn't exposed to a community like this one where there's a lot of bartering, right? I'll do this if you can do this and, and just like always looking out for each other and um, always checking up on each other. So that's, that really is apparent here. And also there's not a lot of diversity. That's another way, you know, if you're looking at like demographics and diversity and white and black and brown people, it's like pretty white here. You know, but we're also really conscientious about bringing in workshop leaders. Like we had one Juneteenth soul food cooking class, so learning about Juneteenth through soul food, vegan soul food, in fact. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, it's just like really important for us to keep engaged in different 
different cultures and different people's perspectives on social issues. So we're doing another racism class. We always do some work on anti-racism and that is continuing this year. I don't know, but just we, we have to keep working, especially when you're in a really white place to keep engaging and talking about th those issues. Even though we are not a black or brown community, we still need to be really, really engaged in the social justice issues around that. Yeah. So speaking of bartering, I, I'm curious about how you fund all of this. What does the picture look like in terms of your, I mean, it's fascinating. You're selling tickets to theater, but you're also literally growing and selling vegetables. How do you kind of put it all together? Do you want to talk about that, Jess? Yeah. Well, we've been really, really grateful to have amazing community, you know, donors from our community, donors from New York City, donors from beyond, really grassroots organization where we've been very thankful and, and humbled by that. Um, and Tanis has been a grant writing machine this year. She, uh, re we received a bunch of, she really has been like everyone she wrote, we got something. So I have to give her a lot of props to that because it's so much work, but we've received a bunch of grants this year, which helps us through. Um, and ticket sales are always really wonderful. We charge for our workshops as well. So we get that, but Really, the core of it is our donors, our, our donors and our community support. And that's a lot of work to go out and raise money. Yeah, yeah, it is. And we're, we're always trying to, you know, we just did our first fundraiser this, this past April. So we're, always, we're also in a learning process as well because we are still fairly new to, on how to do, you know, bigger events and how to bring in, in more people and different people. And so that's always something that we're thinking about as well. Yeah, definitely grassroots. It's small. It's all small grants. It's not nothing big, nothing over 10, you know, so 10,000, I mean. Yeah. So it's all like cobbled together. So looking forward, what are the future goals? I know you had mentioned that you have this climate change work has a set horizon. Are you thinking beyond that? Are there any things you plan to add or change as you look forward to the next couple of years? Well, I'm, I always just really look forward to what is the next project? Because that takes a lot of our energy. <laughs> like what the next theater project is. It takes a full year to build an, the next show. I'm interested in continuing to tour the play we made last year. I still would love to tour it a little bit more. I think it has legs, tour legs. So I'm, I'm hoping to do that. Um, I'm working on a play. Jess and I are working on a a solo theater play. Well, it's like more of a duet, but it's a piece I've written called Decompositions. And I'm really interested in seeing where that's going to go. We'll do some, some premier, um, do some first showings of it this year. Also, we're, uh, we made a really great connection with another theater company from Kentucky. They came and performed a performance about fracking on our on the farm in June, and so we're going to be going um, back to visit them with this new show we're working on, Decompositions, the solo, and that's going to be really great to see how they work and how they operate. And there's so many similarities between us, so that's really nice to have found each other and to learn, be able to learn from each other. Like I said, this is our fourth season, so we're fairly new, but what I really, and we are grow. I feel like we're growing rapidly every year. It's like, oh, you know, a lesson, lesson break in the winter and more and more programming and more and more people are reaching out to us and we're getting more recognition. And I just feel like 
I would really love to bring another person on, you know what I mean? Have another person on staff maybe, or like have like a resident stage manager and have another, another person to kind of help tennis and I out and, and just continue to grow that way. And I guess one of my last questions is just to talk bigger picture about the role of humanities and the role of engagement and the role of creativity in people's day-to-day lives and why you think this work is important and worth doing. I feel like as an artist, from for me, what became important for me in the productions and in the sharing of the theater that I was making was that the healing, the healing and the product of creativity, whatever that is, that product of creativity, and not just the play, the production, but the other thing you get from being creative, the healing, I guess, that it needed to be shared. Like, it shouldn't just be for a few artists who are lucky enough to um, have that kind of training and to have the ability to afford to do theater. So my, my mission is really to share that work of creativity and innovation and collaboration with other people in the community. And so that's my focus really as an artist. It's changed. It's changed a lot. I believe theater heals. I believe the arts and humanities is the only way forward in a world that is getting scarier and scarier and forget fear let's get together and um, do it, do something together. And, it, and that's humanities, making, making art and having conversations and working together and exploring issues together. Hearing you talk, I'm sort of back in metaphor land. You're talking a lot about sort of the arts and performance side, but I think that what you're saying really applies to the food side as well. I mean, I think you could replace a lot of moments in what you were saying with fresh food that fresh food should not be something that only is accessed by a certain subset of people who have the privilege to experience it, and that it can also be fulfilling and life-changing and eye-opening to see how things grow and to taste something new. You know, Absolutely. Taste and Absolutely. senses and experience. Like That whole thing is really invigorating, I think, and I think that's you know both sides of that work. Jess, do you want to share anything about sort of what about this work gets you excited? Yeah, I think... Um, not so much like the finished product of, you know, when the audience is clapping and we're bowing and, okay, we did our show, but all of the moments in rehearsal leading up to that and all of the conversations and all of the eye-openings that we see the ensemble go through and the growing of the ensemble as performers and they're asking different questions and they're growing in that way. And just like the act of rehearsing and building something with people out of what we're thinking and out of some some new idea is really, really lovely. And just bonding with people that I wouldn't have normally not been in the same room with, you know, but now we're making art together, which is really fantastic and special. That's it for the second episode of We Are Here. If you have thoughts on the conversation you just heard or ideas for what we should cover in upcoming episodes, please visit our website, keystoneedge.com or reach us via our social channels at Keystone Edge on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time. Funding for We Are Here comes from PA Humanities and its federal partner, the National Endowment for the Humanities, as part of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021.